General Baptist Ministries has been called by God to exist for the church. We aren't here so General Baptist can help us do ministry. We are here to help the church do ministry and to fulfill its commission to make disciples of all nations and preach the good news to every man, woman, boy, and girl. We partner with churches because we believe that we can do more together than any one person or church can do alone. I'm Dustin Thompson, Vice President for Regional Ministries, and I want to welcome you to this episode of the Doing Together podcast. This podcast is about sharing the ways that General Baptists partner together so that your church can fulfill its calling. Good day, people, and welcome to today's episode. And uh, I just want to uh, thank you for hanging out with us today. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas around the General Baptist Ministries office. Decor is going up, ugly sweaters are coming out of the closet, and Travis has been bragging about finishing his Christmas shopping already. <laughs> um, around the world, General Baptist churches are putting the finishing touches on plans to reach their communities this holiday season. Uh, for sure, it's a season of anticipation, and that today, that's the topic of our conversation. So President Danny Donovan uh, is here with me, and we're going to be talking to you about this hopeful season we are in called Advent and how it relates to your church. Danny, welcome to today's episode of the Doing Together podcast. I'm glad to be here. Man, I'm excited to uh, just chat with you. Like, I feel like I learned so much when we get together and do these things. I'm, I'm a well of um, useless information, as my uh, family sometimes says. Yeah, you, you definitely are the uh, information, and I am here to uh, uh, basically entertain people. So, <laughs> Color commentary, is that what you're saying? Color com- One of my favorite Christmas movies is The Muppet Christmas Carol. We and, are all very surprised. Yeah, you know, and I feel like, you know, today you get to be like the serious actor and I'm your gonzo. So <laughs> come along with us as we go on an adventure. <laughs> so we're talking about Advent. Uh, and, you know, for a lot of our churches, this really isn't like your typical Baptisty thing or, or something that people maybe even think is a modern uh, element in their church. Uh, so what really is Advent? Okay. So... Um, one of the things I'd say um, at the beginning of this is that sometimes we think that Advent is basically just Christmas, right? That Advent and Christmas are the same thing. So you do some things in the weeks leading up to Christmas. You call it Advent, but it's really just Christmas. And so we're singing Christmas carols and we're doing christmas East stuff, right? And that that's Advent. Um well, Advent carol or Advent shopping just doesn't have the same ring to it. It doesn't have the same it. ring you know, to it. We don't really, this right. Thing. Um, so one of the things that some people are often blown away by whenever they get down into their actual history of this stuff is to realize that Christmas is actually something that starts on, drumroll, December the 25th, and it runs for how many days? 12. 12 days. 12 days of Christmas, right? Well, it starts on Christmas Day and it runs until January the 6th. So if you take your Christmas tree down, as soon as Christmas Day is over with, you're not being a very good Christian. Oh, you're just going to make no, my I'm wife so happy. She's no, <laughs> I just, the, yeah, uh, we, in our family, you know, we were like, we leave the Christmas tree up till Easter kind of a thing, people, oh. <laughs> sometimes. But uh, hey, no. man, one time I got in trouble by my mom when I lived at home. Uh, we left our Christmas tree up for two years. And so she was like, <laughs> I need you to take down the ornaments. And I was like, okay, so we took the tree down. Yeah. And it was, she wanted the ornaments off so she could put Easter eggs on the tree. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, we, whenever we think about it, uh, Advent, Advent is, um, it's its own season, right? So if you look back historically, the, what we think of now as Christmas started with another celebration 
that's still a part of the Christian calendar today called Epiphany. Um, Epiphany was something that was in existence as a as a celebration for Christians within uh, the first 300 years of uh, after the time of Jesus. And Epiphany is today, whenever we celebrate Epiphany, it's about the presentation, the manifestation of Jesus to the world. So he's the light of the world. And you see all of these things related to him. It's about evangelism. It's about sharing the gospel with the world. Um, the primary story of Epiphany is now the story of the Magi or the wise men, uh, these people, these Gentiles coming to visit him as a, as a baby. Well, out of that, within a, another hundred years or so, Christmas as a, as a season um, becomes a, a practice. Though we get the word Christmas, people may not catch this. We often focus on the fact that it has Christ in it, but Christmas means Christ Mass. So it's the Mass of Christ. Mm. And uh, we often, us Baptists, don't usually do Mass, um, but we we do like Christmas. No, we do a Mass fried chicken. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, during this time of the year, it's um, Mass cookies and uh, hot chocolate, I guess. Mm. Uh, but yeah, the, the idea of, of Christmas comes out of that celebration of, of specifically of Jesus. Um and is focused, Christmas as a season, those 12 days have historically, traditionally been a season of the celebration of the incarnation, that God became man in Jesus Christ. And with the celebration of the incarnation, an important component of that is um, the picture of the nativity. Uh, so there's a the Christmas is not exactly the same thing as the nativity of Jesus. So it's Christmas is, it's not really... Act completely accurate to say that Christmas is really Jesus' birthday. The point is not just the birth of Jesus, but it is the that Jesus comes has come to us as God Himself come to a, to live among us um, in the flesh, and that truth is what stands at the core of Christmas. So you take that, and then within another about another hundred years, by the, within the in the uh, fifth century, at least by the year four eighty there is a, a practice of something called Advent. In Advent, the word means to come, right, to arrive. And so that's, it's, a, it's a season of, of four Sundays where uh, we, we look forward to the arrival of, of Christ. Now, we often think about that as the arrival of the baby in the manger, but Advent as a season is not just about the arrival in Jesus in the manger, but it's also looking forward to Jesus coming again. Mm. And so um, especially some of the early uh, weeks of Advent are oriented towards expectation of what's to come. So the season of Advent is, is mostly a season about anticipation and waiting. I think waiting is something that Christians need to practice a whole lot more. We're not really very good at it anymore. We need to be, you know, wait uh, on God, wait and expect and uh, and look forward to what what is to come. And uh, so Advent gives us an opportunity to do that. It also also gives us a chance to prepare, right? Preparation um, is a part of waiting for something to come. And so Advent as a season is about preparation. So we can have some themes to it that sound an awful lot like what people do leading up to Easter. So there is this, the Advent can have components of it that are about fasting, 
It's really hard to think about fasting during this time of the year for most most folks. Yeah, you just check most people out. They're like, yeah. no, I'm not not an Advent person. Right. Um, the, there's fasting, repentance, that those themes also are traditional themes for Advent as well as, you know, expectation and, and anticipating celebration. So historically, uh, we have this moment of epiphany, and then it builds backwards to this moment of Christmas or these, this season, these 12 days of Christmas. Mm-hmm. And then as time goes on, then there starts to be this season of preparing for these feasts and this this celebration, this mass of, you know, acknowledging the, the uh, Emmanuel, God with us. So, like, we have this, this season of anticipation, um, and we, we see, like— um, in our personal uh, in our personal lives, and in like the churches that you know a lot of us are a part of, we know there's this Easter season, this Christmas season. Uh, but some of the stuff is like um, the rhythm and the history of the church. And so, uh, Epiphany, Christmas, Advent, it, it all plays together into like this church calendar, this historical right. church calendar. A lot of people call it like a liturgical or liturgical, liturgical. Yeah, my yeah. you know uh, Appalachian accent pull stuff off weird sometimes, but like there's these calendars. Mm -hmm. Um, Like how does all this fit together? Okay. Um, One of the things I would ask people to think about as first, and I'm, this isn't um, unique to me. Whenever I first learned about this, I remember um, having one of my professors in in seminary even talk about, you know, uh, that we have multiple calendars that we function with at any given time, right? You have a calendar that you're working with. If you're a parent, you're you're dealing with a a school calendar yeah. all the time, right? It has a certain rhythm to it. Um, I've dealt with school calendars so much of my life that I tend to think about the first when when does the school when does the year start? Well, it starts in August, right? And um, instead of thinking about January, uh, I think about we're in the middle of something right now. Um, so because of that, but so we have that calendar that operates. You we often function with. Um, calendars within our churches that are unique to our individual church. Like your church has a Sunday every year that you celebrate your anniversary, right? In, yeah. in March, lots of churches have like homecoming Sundays that they celebrate when they were started or, you know, uh, people coming back to the church. Uh, we tend to have like other things that get involved in those calendars. Like we celebrate graduates whenever at certain times of the year, we celebrate uh, other holidays that are not necessarily... Um, not necessarily religious holidays, but they're ones that might be uh, parts, things that are connected to our community. Decoration or, day for some churches or for, for uh, the Bring Your Friend Sunday. Right, like friend day, yeah, build exactly. Build them into their, it's a, a rhythm. As a rhythm that they, they use. We also function often with a civic calendar. And so there is an American, in an American context, we have days that are built into the calendar that we, you know, 4th of July. It's a really great day because that was the day I was born as well as the United States. I was born on the 4th of July um, in 1976, no doubt. And so we were joking about this earlier that I really am. I'm Yankee Doodle Danny. So, um, but you end up with... I'm picturing you in like a Rocky outfit when he can, you know, like the, the, the patriotic shorts like and the Like Apollo Creed. I want you. Uh, so... That's my favorite version there, of Danny. There you go. Thank you. Um, I don't know what to say to that. Um, but we, we also have like other civic holidays like Thanksgiving. We, we tend to think sometimes we put a religious component to Thanksgiving, but Thanksgiving is an American civic holiday. By the way, just, and this may be bad to say, but 
Thanksgiving doesn't have anything to do with Christmas as a religious holiday. Oh, I thought it was the pre the pre Advent, right? And so people are like, "When do you do Christmas?" I mean, Travis did a thing on social media recently about just when do you start Christmas music? Is it you started at Thanksgiving or after? And I'm and I was sitting there the whole time thinking those two things don't necessarily have anything to do with each other. Um, so well, our worship leader uh, at my church, he did like some personal Christmas music. Uh, you put it on Spotify. He said he starts generating plays and money from that in September. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all. We, you know, and especially starting November first, a lot of people are are moving that direction, right? Um, so you got a civic calendar. There's like a civ- party calendar, like Cinco de Mayo, yeah. St. Patrick's Day. Like to a degree, like uh, it, I like business, like fiscal calendars, like your fiscal year. Like there That's is right. a natural rhythm that we're almost and we're wired always for. and we're always making choices about all those things. Um, so it may not surprise people to to think about, well, there is a traditional Christian calendar. We, we tend to function in our evangelical Baptist kind of context, a specific component of all that we do. We, we typically do Christmas and Easter, right? And we don't really, we don't engage with necessarily all of the rest of it, but it has a long history behind it. And that, that year, the calendar year for the Christian calendar has been established for a very long time. And, of you know, well more than a thousand years, the church was functioned with that. Um, for the most part, more than a thousand years before Protestants even came around, there was some form of that calendar. Um, and so it included, it starts off, the Christian calendar for a year starts off with Advent. So the first Sunday of Advent, which as we're recording this, will be this coming Sunday. Uh, four Sundays before Christmas, those four Sundays are the four Sundays of Advent. So the first Sunday of Advent this year is in December, and um, December the 3rd, I guess, will be Sunday. And so December 3rd is the first Sunday of Advent, and then it will run for four Sundays. That is also the beginning, th- December 3rd this year is the start of this this year's New calendar for the Christian calendar. Four Sundays of Advent. Then you have um, a period of 12 days that starts on December the 25th of what we call Christmas or Christmas Tide. Some people call it that. I love the 12 days because, you know, like growing up, there was the Adam Sandler Hanukkah song, and they'd be like, one day of presents or seven days of presents. And it's like, no, 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 we have 12. Yeah, we have 12 12 days of Christmas. Um, And then you have Epiphany, which takes place on January the 6th. And then the, the season after Epiphany um, is also sometimes a portion of it is sometimes described as ordinary time. So one of the things that the Christian calendar has in it is it has holy time or holy days, holidays, and then it, we have ordinary time, regular weeks. And um, so the, there's a period of up to six, six weeks, eight weeks between um, the start, the, the end of Epiphany, the date of Epiphany, and the start of, of Lent. So Lent is the next season after this ordinary time. Lent starts on Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday takes place 45 days before Easter. So Easter is the date that everything kind of works around for that. And you establish Easter. Um, I, people probably know this, but Easter moves around. And why does it move around? Well, Easter is set by being, it has to do with the 
the full moon and its relationship to the first day of spring. It's one of the craziest parts about our calendar because, like, you yeah. know, my kids and, you know, they're pastor's kids, so, like, you know, we, we live and die with this church rhythm. And it's like, well, when's Easter? Well, it depends this year. Yeah. Know? It's supposed to be the... Uh, the 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 date is the first Sunday after the first full moon after the first day of spring. Uh, for those of you who are future planning, it's early this year, which is great for like you know the church rhythm of trying to uh, assimilate people into your church. But yeah, like sometimes it's like early in spring, sometimes it's late in spring, yeah. and it's like you know this historical building of like old calendars off of which is another one, like the lunar calendar is another calendar that a lot of people are used to. Yep. So then you have with um, with Easter, you have uh, Lent, that I said 45 days prior, we tend to talk, talk about Lent being 40 days, and it's because the Sundays don't count. It's my favorite thing you've taught me of all yeah. of the things. The Sundays don't count because Sundays are never fast days. They are always feast days because every Sunday is a celebration of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. The Thompsons love that part that you like imparted into my life. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you end up with then Easter. Easter lasts for 50 days. We tend to think about Easter as a Sunday, but Easter is a, a period of time, 50 days, that culminates with the 50th day after Easter, which is Pentecost. Um, and Pente Pentecost is a celebration of the coming of the Holy Spirit. Um, and then after the day of Pentecost, you then have a long period of up to 29 Sundays of, again, ordinary time. Um, and there can be other little holidays that are sprinkled in at different points. So like the Sunday before the start of Advent, or sorry, the start of Lent, um, the Sunday before the start of Lent is a Transfiguration Sunday. You have the, the uh, Sunday immediately following Pentecost is Trinity Sunday. The Sunday right before the start of Advent, so this past Sunday for us, was Christ the King Sunday. And so those are some of the traditional holidays in that Christian calendar and the rhythms that go along with it. You think about it, you what you see with that rhythm of that calendar, you see the entire life of Jesus played out, right? Yeah. You have him coming, you have him doing his ministry, being presenting his the gospel to the world, you have him giving his life. Um, on Good Friday, you have his resurrection from the dead. You have the coming of the Holy Spirit and the launch of the church. And um, the, and so most of that is, you know, you get to see the entire life of Jesus played out for you in the rhythms of the calendar. Which I love how, like, there are these little things that when you really think about it, like it's echoing, like, uh, Christ all over our lives. Mm -hmm. So, like, we have, like, you know... Uh, the season calendar of, you know, like the, the new life, the the things that die in the winter, and then it comes back, uh, the church calendar like we're talking about. And like, you know, we joke around about like Sundays uh, not being fast days, but like this idea that like Sundays really are like many Easter's, like even Every like Sunday. all week. That's why Christians worship on Sunday. We don't worship on Sunday because it's the Sabbath day. Sabbath is the seventh day. Oh, you can't wreck people's world like uh, that. You know, we celebrate, we gather for worship on the first day of the week because Jesus was raised from the dead on the first day of the week. And in each seven days, like there is this seven day rhythm that reminds us of like the life of Jesus. And so all of these things really are, uh, it's this rhythm that both points to Jesus and it also points to like, uh, like a cyclical nature of like, one, we are both a part of something bigger that every year it just like, you know, rinses and repeats. But we're also part of something very 
uh, finite. That you and I are like really just a small piece of a bigger story that is not our story, but God's story. And the yeah. calendar teaches us these things. Yeah, it's good. I, I think one of the ways I d- discovered the the calendar and the rhythms of it, um, it was new to me at one point in time, and it was exciting as I as I engaged with it at first because I was able to engage with something that was, you know, had been around for centuries. There's a, the traditions, sometimes we think about tradition as something that's, um, you know, gets in the way of us being able to be full of life and have vital spirituality. I think that I think that the the traditions sometimes can be things that we find life through and we find connection to um, our past. And I get to, I get to find myself as part of something that goes before me and will continue on after me. I know you and I both are huge Cardinal fans and like, you know, there is this uh, great legacy and tradition that like, we feel like we are a part of, of like this story and like when when we see this so many times in church, like it, it is this obstacle to us participating. But then there's a lot of places in our life it invites us in to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. And yeah. that really is like this this church rhythm and this church calendar. Like we are doing things that go all the way back to the fourth and fifth century of yeah. Christ followers, and we're a part of something both. Um, we are finite people celebrating something and a part of something that's very infinite. Yeah, and I think that also. It works out most of the time. It works its best in our church context whenever we're also able to um, take these kinds of, you know, longstanding traditions and find ways to breathe our context and it and its life into them or through them. Um, so I would not expect that in a um, you know a contemporary or modern General Baptist church that they're going to be doing some of the same practices that related to Advent that they were doing in the 700s, right? That's crazy to even think about any more than I would expect that in um, the context of a church that's, you know, much more um, revivalistic in its tradition. Um, But I also think that there are ways of kind of connecting with these, these, you know, traditional holidays and breathing new life into them in our context. And I would challenge people further with that um, to say that if you have concerns about, well, should I be doing Advent or um, concerns about, uh, a lot of people have concerns about like Lent because they're like, well, this is a Catholic thing. I would would make the argument to you, so's Christmas, Um, so's Easter in terms of what, what they are, where they came from. And early Baptists rejected all of it mm, yeah. because they were concerned about those kinds of things. But we, we tended, what we've done is instead of taking the Christian elements of Christmas or Easter as a season, like, like the traditional calendar, what we've done now is we've taken it and made it into an American civic calendar conversation. So I don't think most churches don't function with much of a Christian traditional Christian calendar, they function with an American uh, civic calendar, and then they get really upset at the at American um, culture whenever they're, whenever American culture 
doesn't recognize their religious components of it. Yeah, it penetrates into these events. And, you know, like we, this could be a lot of fun. Oh, we could go too deep if we're not careful. Yeah. But like, you know, this high idea of like the season has become days and like, you know, uh, secular culture creeps into these days. But the irony is if you only make it about these days, many of the days were founded on secular days That's that right. people already celebrated. And so now, like if you're just a holy day person, like you run into some like apologetic issues because you really can't defend like the bleeding in of culture because it always was like, you know, it was Saturnalia or it was, you know, Easter was based off of, you know, a, uh, uh, a secular holiday. And so like you can't really stand up. But if you go back to the calendar, the calendar all along has created this rhythm of Jesus in our life. Yeah. So what's primary always, and this is why I think I think we Baptists have got this right. I know that's a real big surprise to say that. I think we've got it right. But we we believe that Scripture is the thing that dictates everything, right? And so as long as whenever we're approaching these, these holidays, these traditions in that regard, that Scripture is the thing that dominates them all and that we're doing whatever our celebrations are, highlight the truth we find there, then I think what we're going to find is we find, we're going to find that these kinds of things can help us in discipling people so that they can encounter Jesus. And that's the whole point here. Yeah, it is the whole point. And, you know, when we look at this season, this, this season of Advent where, you know, it truly is, like you said, this coming. And so it's a season preparing for the coming. It's a season of, of anticipation, a season of hope. Like there's some things that uh, historically and even shifted into like the modern times that we use as symbols to uh, help carry over these themes. Right. And so like, you know, the things that immediately come to my mind is the Advent wreath, the Advent candles. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and like, you know, there are these moments where, uh, you know, you light a candle each week and it's like, hey, here's here's a week of hope, a week of peace, a week of joy, a week of love. Right. Uh, and we see these symbols help us to focus and to be devoted in this season of what is coming. Yeah, that's, real, that's good. Um, so I think that we talked about this before, I don't think that it. we have some General Baptist churches out there. We probably have some folks that are listening to this podcast that their church, they do the Advent wreath and they do the readings and the candles. I would say we have a sizable minority of churches that do that now. Um, and probably it's, it can be a little bit geographic. Um, so I think you might see that a little more in some of our churches, say, for example, in southern Indiana than you would... Uh, see that in probably in Tennessee where you're at. Um, but I do think that there are some folks that, that, that do those kinds of of components. And the, the four Sundays and the themes that go along with those, there there can be a little bit of, uh, um, that. those are not always universal, like the four different themes, like where do you put peace versus love? Is it the last one? Is it the second one? Is yeah. faith get dropped in there somewhere? Right? Isn't you know, what are the four? Uh, you got four. You got to deal with what are the four? Yeah. Um, it's pretty common to recognize that the third one is joy. In fact, it has its own name. The third Sunday is called Gaudete Sunday. So I'm gonna give you a little bit of more than you were expecting there, probably. <laughs> yeah. If you've ever seen an Advent wreath and it had say uh, three purple candles and one pink candle. The pink candle is not for the fourth Sunday. The pink candle is for the third Sunday because it's a, it's a candle that's about joy. And so, um, but yeah, the, the Advent wreaths, um, we have an Advent wreath at our house. We've, we've 
started doing that many years ago. I've uh, done them in, in churches sometimes whenever I've been pastored, not every year, but, uh, you know, multiple years. You're able to kind of highlight scripture during that time and anticipate the coming of Christ. And then on, on uh, we would do, um, there's usually a Christ candle, a white candle. Yeah, there in the center. In the center, and you light that on, on Christmas Eve. And as you know, the light of the world has come. Well, and I love like you know, so many times like traditions can be a bad thing, but like a beautiful thing about like what you said at your house is like it's something that you embraced and became part of centuries before you, and now it becomes something that you are passing on to centuries after you. And it really is this: you're a part of a bigger whole. And so, um, which is great because like these themes, whether they're four, five, the way you interchange them. Like they really do connect and line up with what it's ultimately leading up to, which is the birth of Jesus. Yeah. Um, so how do you see how do you see these four themes, or you know, the people intentionally having these weeks and these themes, practically helping them celebrate, practically pre- helping them prepare in this season of what is to come? Yeah, I think it's good to um, as you as you look at those four Sundays and you see how most people you you know I've seen a lot of churches that are they'll do four different, like a sermon series every year that follows that similar kind of a pattern Um, because each of those has its own aspects of anticipation to it, right? We are anticipating the peace come on earth. We're anticipating the joy that is going to be ours in Christ. Um, We'll get a little bit closer. Usually love gets in there towards the end because we're, you know, we're getting very close to Christmas and, you know, we're able to sense the love of God that's right around the corner. Um, in in those things, I, I think that a lot of the, giving those four different themes, or the you know giving themes to those four Sundays that way, it does give some gives something for you to hang your hat on in terms of how you're going to help your congregation or uh, themes to to reflect upon um, during those weeks, and um, I, I think that that's good in order to help us prepare for for what's coming with Christmas because I think sometimes. When we look at Christmas, preparing often means like we're super busy buying stuff. Yeah. Right. And we're preparing by baking something and we're preparing by decorating uh, our houses uh, for the festivities. But we also need to be preparing our hearts so that as we walk through this time, we're able to really focus on what God is intending to do to us and in us through the time. And if we're not intentional about that, then we can get all swallowed up in the other stuff that the season is about in our culture. Well, and that's the beauty of, of like the season compared to the day. Cause like, it's so easy for, you know, the, the holy part of this to be, okay, Hey, we're going to read the Bible story before we open presents or we're going to go to church, but it's just like a small piece of like really this consumeristic event, you know, and you, you were talking earlier about especially like the American Christian, like we're, uh, our society like almost teaches us that like delayed gratification is bad. Like, you know, uh, we should be able to uh, seize the day, get what we want when we want it. And like there really is this uh, discipline and and beautiful thing that happens when we can prepare our hearts for something that is coming instead of just enjoying and embracing something in the moment. Yeah. Um. If you think about it, really, when it boils down to it, what you do, way you describe that is kind of where we are in terms of our Christian life, right? Um, 
our entire Christian life is lived in anticipation of what God's going to do mm, as yeah. well as what God is doing. And um, that's what leads us down the wrong path, I think, theologically lots of times because we're so much more comfortable getting our best life now, to quote a phrase, than we are with anticipating the hope that we ultimately have in Christ Jesus. And we get disappointed when we don't get the things we want right now, when the whole, maybe the whole point of the Christian walk is not to get what you want right now, but to look forward and hope and trust and, you know, find patience to find the, the other fruit of the Spirit at work in your life. Um, and it's not about having it at the moment. So I think there's some of this that is the natural rhythm of it also is instructive of exactly what the, the spiritual life, the, the Christian life itself really looks like. Well, and I think like if we look at like the meta narrative of even like the Bible and even Jesus's story of like, you know, these silent years uh, that I love that weird gap between the Old Testament and the New Testament where like, you know, really God's quiet, but it like is it's a season of anticipation. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we lead up to Jesus and the birth of Jesus which really is the season of anticipation for 30 years of him coming onto the scene. And then yeah. a three-year season of anticipation. And even to your point of like, you know, Jesus said, watch and pray. And then the prayer of the modern church ever since its inception has been come quickly, Lord Jesus. It's always this anticipation of the return of the King. Yeah. And I would also say as we think about, as we think about like hope in this, in this time and, we tend to think about hope as uh, as we don't recognize that hope is about something we're certain of as we anticipate. Um, it is because of God's promises that we know are true that we can anticipate with hope. Um, but whenever we look through the scriptures, people, that's what people have done forever. This is what, that's the whole, that's really the story of the Bible. It's not just the, between, you know, statements about uh, the, the uh, Elijah that is to come and then John the Baptist in the beginning of the New Testament, but it's also, go back and look in Genesis, right? Abraham lived his whole life in hope yes. of a child that is to come. Um, the people of Israel, they go to Egypt and they're here, and they're there living in hope. I mean, Jacob, last thing he does before he leaves the promised land is he goes to the place where God had promised Abraham that he would give him the land. Yeah. And he's like, well, I'm going to bring your people back here. Yeah, the declaration of take my bones with you. Like this right. is not the end. So, but, you know, they wait. How long do they wait? They wait 400 years, right, in Egypt waiting for God to do what God does and to bring them, bring them out. Um, this is, it may just be a few verses in this, in between Genesis and, and Exodus for us. I mean, that's a, that's a long time. Yeah. And you see that over and over. It's the, enough time for the aliens to build the pyramids. Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> but it, I mean, it's the same thing. You look at the, you know, Babylon comes and, and carts all the, the Israelites off to Babylon. You know, they take them out of the promised land, take them to Babylon um, they lived there for 70 years in anticipation of a return that the prophets are saying is coming, right? Um, so time after time, whenever we look at the Bible, we look at Jesus and, and what he says and that he's coming soon. 
And it's all about anticipating and living in hope, not living in already experienced reality of, but it's about trusting in the promises of God. Yeah. And And all of those times, like, you know, God was faithful. Yeah. And so like we have this promise of like, if he was faithful, then surely he will be faithful in this coming King. That's right. And, and whenever we look at Advent as a season that way, and we recognize the anticipation part of it, the waiting part of it, um, I think that it's a very countercultural aspect we can add into our celebrations of Christmas. Which is why this is not just something for us to talk about uh, as like us individually, as maybe you're listening to this on your way to Christmas shop or, you know, you're on your way to your family for the holidays. But like how this gets injected into our church is yeah. it is it's echoing the story of hope. That's right. So how can we lead our church and our congregation into this really countercultural way of thinking, which is the whole point of Jesus over and over again. This is what you say, but this is what I say. Yeah, I think that's really good. And I think I would encourage folks to, to, as you, I hope that you've already got plans about what you're doing for the next few weeks at church and how you're going to celebrate the season. Um, But uh, find ways to interject in the process of these, of these days, um, anticipation, build anticipation. um, And, uh, help folks to to recognize the as you do that there is a certain rhythm to the commercial side of things that if we can do christmas well in a christianly way actually it kind of escapes that the that component of it i mean most of your christmas shopping is done by christmas day well if you celebrate christmas as Christmas that starts that day, you have all the space you need. And for the most part, most of us are trying to figure out what to do for the a couple of weeks there. Yeah, and if you embrace this, you can get a deal. You can go after. I mean, right? Christmas, but you know, like you're exactly right. Like, uh, I don't know, like your uh, your family. I know, like growing up when I didn't have kids, it'd be like, what are we going to do after Christmas? And a lot of times we'd go uh, watch a movie and never think about like, hey, we just made these people not be at home with their family. But like, there is like almost. Uh, because it builds up to an event instead of it's building up to this ongoing uh, mindset of hope, mm-hmm. it's so easy for the days after Christmas to be these dark days. Yeah, and um, the whole point is that the light has come. Yeah, right. Um, it's the simple beauty of the story. Right? Yeah, I also would encourage churches as they are thinking about their celebrations, and this may drive some people crazy, but I'm going to give it a suggestion anyway. Okay. Um, hold off on singing Christmas carols. Don't sing Christmas carols until maybe, I don't know, Christmas Eve. I mean, that's, that sounds radical, right? Um, uh, I once did that when I was a pastor that I had a, a, a music pastor that was like wanting to start singing Christmas music the first Sunday of Advent. And I'm like, no, we can't do that. And didn't wouldn't let it happen until Christmas Eve. And they're like, well, what are we going to sing? But, um, and people were like, when are we going to sing Christmas songs? I said, we're going to wait. And so, but the, <laughs> what that meant was we had a big, at that church, we had a big uh, Christmas Eve service. And that meant that, that that service, whenever we did that, everybody was belting out those songs. They were so happy yeah. to, to, to celebrate the coming come of Jesus. And then we weren't so tired of them that we actually sang them for a couple of weeks, you know, during Actual Christmas. Christmas, Christmas time. Right. Well, and you know, so it was kind of cool. 
uh, I've been a part of, of several churches over my years in ministry, and there's always like you know this pressure of how do you program around all this stuff, and you know uh, all of us have different backgrounds. And uh, in my church currently, uh, myself and our worship pastor uh, Doug Johnson both have a Methodist background, and so like there are things I look back on fondly in my life. One of them being like the Advent season, uh, but another one being like. Uh, what would have originated out of, like, Midnight Mass was, like, Christmas Eve at, like, 11 p.m. Mm-hmm. And, like, if I ever mentioned that to my staff, like, they like, oh, no you know, like, this is crazy. <laughs> Nobody will come. And I'm like, it was a highlight of, like, my childhood because we would always look to that in anticipation. And yeah. it was this kickoff of this, this season. Yeah, I uh, actually pastored a church once that that was our biggest service of the year every year we didn't do a midnight mass we did we did a worship christmas eve service on christmas eve evening about about the time the sun went down about six o'clock but we had a ton of people that would come to that because they anticipated and it was a part of their family's anticipation and i I think this year especially we got christmas eve is on a sunday there will be a lot of opportunities to really do some great things to get people to incorporate Christmas into family time. And we, we tend to think about Christmas as like a family event instead of a Christian event sometimes today. But you now get an opportunity to insert those discipleship right kinds of, uh, you know, teaching moments even into your family stuff if we can pull that off well. well. And if we look at the, you know, like both the theology and the simple story of Christmas, like it truly is a blessing of like Easter is a, a church holiday, but like where Christmas has become embraced is like this civic moment. Uh, I think of the, the the Christmas song, Go Tell It on the Mountain. We are given an opportunity to witness to the world that the light has come. Yeah. And so this season, let's embrace it. Let's take that opportunity to share with people the why we hope differently than the world. That's good. And so, uh, you know, as we prepare to wrap wrap things up today, uh, and as we want to encourage you, our listeners, to celebrate Advent in your own way, like for this to not just be a days leading up to to this holiday, but it truly is like the season of anticipation. Um, I think it's fun to just talk about like our stories, like our how what Christmas means, and uh, just fun parts of Christmas. So, like, um, what what is the Donovans? do for Christmas or like this Advent season? So you got a calendar. Do you, uh, you know, have a favorite Christmas movie? Do y'all, uh, oh. are all the Donovans running around in matching Target uh, PJs? No, we're, we buy them on Amazon. Am- oh, okay. Yeah, they, they, this year they've all got, uh, I think they've got reindeer on them this year. Uh, I, um, we've had them for a while, right? Usually we get them out on Christmas Eve, but I think everybody's already got theirs this year. Oh, yeah, they've, they've went ahead, already, right? Yeah, and I think the girls are already wearing theirs. So. Post-COVID, everything moved up. Yeah, I know. Uh, so, yeah, we, we have, in terms of, like, movies, we have, like, a list, right? We're one of the, we've got, like, all these movies. we got to make sure that we get in before, you know, all of this is said and done. And we're going to be watching Christmas movies up through New Year's and after uh, probably to get all of it in. I've got certain favorites. The girls have got certain favorites. So, so what's your favorite Christmas movie? My favorite Christmas movie, It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, man. That's... Bar none, my favorite one. Always has been since I was a kid. And uh, so, yeah, I, I love It's a Wonderful Life. It's so great, especially like knowing the story of Jimmy Stewart and how like a lot of those moments, he's literally living through PTSD. Like yeah. I mean, it's so powerful. It's my favorite classic Christmas movie. Yeah. Uh, Elf is my favorite modern Christmas yeah, movie. Yeah, I, I like Elf too. Um, we quote Elf we so much. We do so much, yeah. Um, 
Todd probably has uh, me saying certain lines from Elf somewhere saved in the in the podcast. Like people may not realize this, but like when we're getting ready to record one of these, we talk for like ten minutes before, <laughs> so there's no telling what some of that stuff that he has he's saved back there to use against us. I can't someday. go across the crosswalk without thinking about it. I know, right? <laughs> you know? Um, I know some people that like hate that movie. We have people in the in our building here that have never seen that movie. I know. I don't know how you hired them. I um, I didn't hire them clearly. <laughs> So uh, like it's part of the vetting. What's your favorite Christmas movie? Do you like Star Wars? Right. Yeah, that's a pretty good one too. Yeah. Uh, um, Star Wars Christmas special is not no, on I've, my list of favorite movies. I, I, I have never seen it. I've, I've been told not to. It'll yeah. Ruin my fandom. I, I'm old enough that I probably was around whenever it came out, but I have, don't think I've ever seen. Although it you could argue that Chewbacca was in a Christmas robe or a uh, you know a choir robe <laughs> <laughs> for you true Adventists out there. Yeah, we oh, have our favorite song. Favorite Christmas favorite song, Christmas song um, in terms of Christmas carols. Um, I love Oh Holy Night. Um, there's also some Advent songs. I love uh, I love O Come O Come Emmanuel. I love that you're so theological that you have Christmas songs and Advent songs. Sure. Uh, yeah. O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, is a, it's a beautiful song. It has, if you look at it, its history, um, there's a ton of, it's dripped in all kinds of Christian themes, scripture. Uh, it has Latin that stands behind it, et cetera, et cetera. That, so it, it brings out my inner theology nerd too. So, so would that make this little light of mine be an epiphany song? <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, I guess it would be. Look at that. Like, right. Man, actually think, I wonder if Go Tell It on the Mountain is actually an epiphany song. Uh, so, you know, I grew up in a super traditional context with Methodism. Um, but like when I was introduced to like contemporary Christmas music, um, Chris Rice has a really popular Christmas song, or it was a popular Christmas song, uh, Welcome to Our World. Mm, it's just a good. powerful powerful story of the telling of Jesus. Yeah. So you have a classic favorite Christmas uh, song? You know, probably Hark the Herald Angel Sing. There you go. Which Elevation Worship just ro- dropped a very modern one our guys are doing for Christmas. Cool. So uh, I once did a, I once, well, hold on. I, I oh, once yeah. did a, uh, you know, another thing that churches do at Christmas time is like a church, like a play, right? And we used to do those. We once did a, a church play at one of the churches I was with it's called Mark and Harold's Angels Swing. So there's there's your uh, <laughs> was it like fifties uh, uh, style? <laughs> no, it was uh, it was uh, I remember it was the the deacon of the church. I was a pastor of this church, and the deacon and I were the like the lead uh, lead actors in the thing. It was it was great fun. Um, but yeah, I loved I always have loved the Christmas plays. My my church that I grew up in, we always did one. I think they're going to do one this year, and if they do, I'm planning on trying to go there because I still love getting to see all of that and experience that with them. It's so like in my childhood, they had cantatas. And yeah. Like they were excellent, but it was like, now you look back on it like, oh, that's very much like a high church, this kind of thing. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, we've, we've uh, I've seen those done in lots of uh, our General Baptist churches where they, they do a cantatas, cantatas. Those are going to be really neat to you. So what's your favorite Christmas snack, favorite Christmas food? Oh. You know, it's coming. You know, I'm, I'm diabetic, so I can't eat any of this stuff anymore, huh. um, which is like a You're, big... Longing for the I, I, resurrected body. Yes, exactly. I'm, it's an anticipation <laughs> yeah. of being able to have, uh, you know. The marriage supper of the lamb will have what at Christmas <laughs> for Danny? So um, some of the names of these things, I don't know if they m- match what other people have in their homes, but we do like a lot of candy with our family. My grandmother, um, she loved to make candy and we use all of her recipes still. And our family will kind of gather and make them. So one of my favorites is we call them Buckeyes. 
Oh, yeah. Um, like peanut butter balls dipped in chocolate. Um, some others are like the wedding cookies that are, you know, a cookie biscuit thing that's covered in in um, powdered sugar. I mean, again, I can't have any of this stuff at this point. Um, but I also, I love like pecan pie. Mm. And it's one of my favorites. I love pumpkin pie, and we still do pumpkin pie th- for Christmas as well. Um, so, yeah. And Wait, I just had a staff person the other day share something, and they called them dressed eggs. And I'm like, who are you? Like, uh, he's talking about deviled eggs, or I don't know, what do you call oh, them? Yeah, well, I'm like, that's okay. I'm, you know, yeah, you're like, uh, I, I give the deviled eggs over to the devil and let him keep them. I like <laughs> eggs in lots of different other ways. He said dressed eggs, and I'm like, uh, for me, my are, mom, are we talking about somebody that's bougie in your life? Uh, no, okay. <laughs> this person, no. But uh, for me, like this holiday season, my mom. Uh, some of it is the the emotional connection of food and stories. But uh, uh, she makes homemade Chex mix and she makes homemade cheese balls. Oh yeah, and it's like it's so good. Um, that's but good. All this really does. It's not just fun random things, but it's it's little things that we've almost built a culture of anticipation for, mm-hmm. which is funny how if we really look at it, like the story of Jesus really is all over the place. Um, so as you get ready to celebrate, as you prepare for Christmas, I want to encourage you, don't miss out on the power of what Advent can be in your personal life and in the life of your church. So I want to thank uh, President Danny for joining us today. I want to thank you for joining us this week on the Doing Together podcast As uh, you and yours prepare to celebrate Christmas this season, we want to encourage you to join us this Advent in anticipation of our coming King. Uh, This day and every day, we should join in the anthem of the early church as we declare together, come quickly, Lord Jesus. We hope this episode has both encouraged and informed you to slow down and sit in these days that are leading up to Christmas. Uh, To make sure you don't miss out on future episodes, I want to invite you to subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you're using to access our content, and please leave us a review. It's one of the best ways to help our content be discovered uh, by other people and keep you informed of the latest drops of the episodes. Thank you for joining us today. Happy Advent, Merry Christmas, and we will see you next time on the Doing Together podcast.